I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Dirk with the back. And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, and joining me, crossover with the Locked On Clippers podcast, the hosts, Charles Mockler, William Updike. Guys, what you got for me? Hey. Yeah. We have some bold Clippers predictions about this first round series is what we got. Bold? <laughs> so you're expecting a loss. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that, would be the, that would be the bold part. Uh, first, let's just start with this. Charles, let everybody know uh, where you're from and how they can find you and, uh, and just how long you've been covering the Clippers. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm originally from uh, the great state of Montana, more specifically Missoula, Montana. Uh, been in LA about 10 years. You can find me at Charles Mockler. Also do most of the tweeting from at Locked On Clips. We've been uh, covering the Clippers for the Locked On Network for about two and a half seasons. And yeah, been a fan since I've been in LA. So here's to the Clippers. And William, do the same. Uh, yeah, I mean, boringly enough, similar background. I met this guy <laughs> in university in Montana where I also grew up. And then, yeah, got into the Clippers. Um I mean, I was like loosely into them around the time of the of the Blake Griffin draft, and then I, I've all, I've never gotten to live in a city with a team. I've always wanted a team, and uh, I, I was kind of a Nuggets fan, so the Lakers were never going to be for me. Uh, so <laughs> I had to go with the Clippers, and haven't looked back in the last decade. Oh, and you can find me on Twitter at Will Updeck, or just engage with Locked On Clippers. <laughs> yeah, we'll put we'll put a link in the description of the podcast for both of their Twitters. So we I wanted to bring them on because we wanted to have a crossover. I'm going on Locked On Clippers as well. So if you want to hear all about the Mavericks, go listen to that podcast. But we're just going to talk all about Clippers. And by the way, we've been doing that the last couple of days. We talked to Justin Russo about the Clippers. Had a oh, really nice. good conversation about Kawhi the other day. We also just did a podcast with Ben Golliver from the Washington Post. So go check out that podcast if you haven't listened to that one. And we're doing this one today. And by the way, today, if you're listening to this on Monday, Mavs Clippers tonight. I mean, it's uh, it's by itself. It's the uh, the nightcap game. So go check that out. And we will uh, have a post game pod right after for you. So let's just start right here. News of the day. Montrezl Harrell is back. He's expected to play for the Clippers. Uh, As far as I know, there was no update on Patrick Beverly or Landry Shamit. You guys can tell me otherwise. Uh, but we're not sure if they're going to be ready. I'm, I'm assuming they're, that they're going to play. Patrick Beverly's going to play. It just seems like they're, they've been waiting around. Is there any update on those two guys? There was none from the presser today. Uh, we'll find out from the, uh, the injury report later, I'm sure. I wouldn't be that surprised if Sham was held out a little bit longer. Um, and Will's kind of had a theory on Bev. Bev usually gets a week of rest, so I'm not sure. We might not see Bev in this first game, too. Yeah, the yeah. last time the calf strain acted up, it was about a it was about a week off of play, uh, and it didn't really bother him again. But he's had some little injuries. Uh, he had a he had like a quad issue, uh, as well as the other left left calf strain. So I think that they're going to be really cautious with him. Uh, I did, however, see him in the workout in the workout picks, which we <laughs> have not yet seen since he's been out. So who knows? I mean, he could come in for this one. I've kind of been preparing for at least a few games of this series without. Uh, without Beverly, certainly, and, and Shamit, I, I think he's probably even slower to return, just depending on how the bench players are able to step up in his absence. And if we're all being honest, they probably don't need them in this series. But <laughs> <laughs> I'd like Trez to get some run. He needs to play at least some basketball. <laughs> for sure. For sure. We'll get into that. So, um, okay, let's just start right here. How confident are you guys in number of games? So, 
Clippers in five, Clippers in six. Not necessarily a prediction, but how confident are you for the Clippers? We'll start with Will. Uh, I think it's Clippers in five, but it's like it's a nail biting five. Um, I see this as like all these games to me have been really pretty fun to watch. I think we've won by like an average of 11 points throughout the, throughout the regular season matchups. Um, and that could change, you know, we've had, we had Montrez obviously in two of those regular season games. So depending on what he looks like, that definitely could swing some things, but I'm pretty confident Clippers are, are going to flip the proverbial switch uh, and try to take care of business in this one. Is there a physical switch? Because one time in a game, Rick Carlisle needed the Mavericks to just change everything. And he drew on a piece of paper, a reset button. And he had Seth Curry push <laughs> the reset button in the middle. Is there a physical switch for the Clippers or are we just, this is just a, cause that's the thing everyone's been talking about, right? Are the Clippers going to flip this switch? Are they going to be this, you know, team that finally rises from, you know, they've been the sleeping giant all year. Is there a real switch? Yeah. We're just going to upgrade Kawhi to OS two. And I think we're going to be good to go. <laughs> <laughs> I also think Kawhi is actually the only one who I kind of believe has the switch to flip. He's the only one who's been there, and he's the only one who's, I mean, obviously reached the pinnacle of the pinnacle with the two finals MVPs. So I'm hoping his switch flippedness can permeate everyone else. Yeah, that's kind of the only one you need, right? He's the closer. You just need the – everyone else just has to be okay, and the closer has to be the one that's on. So, uh, man, all right. Uh, What makes you the most nervous about the Mavericks? We'll start with Charles. I mean, it's a, it's an obvious answer, but it's Luca could steal. So I think it's going to go five games too. I think Luca's going to have some otherworldly performance, and you know probably have to hit a clutch shot because the defense isn't maybe where it needs to be. Um, and that and offensive rebounding, like you guys are an elite offensive rebounding team. You go for it. The Clippers, you know, we've seen in the bubble sometimes don't necessarily have the best instincts on the defensive boards. Um, so I think that's kind of maybe an X factor and something I'm probably a little more worried about with the mass. Most of that is just Boban inflation. <laughs> <laughs> I, we've seen that too. So I, I sympathize with that. Uh, Will, is there anything you're nervous about that's not Luka Doncic? Yeah. I mean, I guess just kind of like, execution and like on-court chemistry as a whole. I mean, the Mavs are are missing a couple guys for sure, but like overall they've had a lot more time with this team to kind of uh, congeal. Uh, They do a lot better. They do a really good job of of taking care of the ball, uh, which I think is really impressive for having a young point guard. And, you know, we sometimes can get really sloppy with turnovers. And I think it's a, it's a situation where we're both so close in points per game and rebounds. Like, I think that poor execution or an excess of turnovers could, you know, bury us in a couple games pretty easily. Yeah. And we saw in the the first three games we saw, I mean, the Mavericks played one game close. I think that was the January game. And I don't think Paul George was part of that game in November. It was not super close at all. They just Clippers absolutely dominated the Mavs. And then this last game in August, you know, in the bubble, uh, it was pretty close all the way up to the to the fourth quarter, and then the Clippers just absolutely flipped whatever switch they they decided to turn <laughs> and just completely destroyed the Mavericks. So it is sort of on those slim margins until you know the very end. And the Mavericks have been really really bad in the clutch this year, and the Clippers have the Clippers have actually not been as dominant in the clutch as we ex- have expected. I think since Jan, I think this year they're eighteen and thirteen in clutch games. And uh, that's not as not as good as we had come to expect. But coming up, I want to get into some more about Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, talk about their partnership, how they've sort of meshed, also the starting lineup. We'll get into all that. But before we do, a lot of you, hopefully, still spending a lot of time at home, hopefully still, you know, social distancing, hopefully still staying back 
and uh, keeping away when you can. Uh, right now, if you're trying to find the best way to get food from somewhere else to your house, if some if a place doesn't do delivery, you can get it with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food that you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose exactly what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with new contactless contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your go- local go-tos or choose from your favorite national tri- national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. I almost just said National Treasure, which makes no sense unless you want the Declaration <laughs> of Independence dropped off at your door. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and have your food left at your door. You don't even have to touch the driver. You, there's there's contactless, all that you need. Uh, DoorDash deliveries are contactless. Contact, how can I not say this word? To keep <laughs> communities, we operate in safe. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off your order, zero delivery fees, and on your first order. And when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store, enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. All right, gentlemen, let's get into a little bit about Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So I want to start with Paul George. How has he fit into the role? He's He's been the second fiddle, I guess, ever since he went to OKC. He was the second to, um, you know, Russell Westbrook, and he fit in pretty well there. He was like third in MVP, you know, last yeah. year, which is kind of crazy to remember that he was like that good last year and that he was, you know, that high in MVP. Uh, this year, he's playing seven less minutes a game, five less field goal attempts, you know, per game. His assists per game have pretty much stayed the same, which is kind of surprising. But he missed about 32% of the Clippers' games this season so far, um, and it's just, which is a lot. It's rough <laughs> to lot hear the percentage team. figure. The percentage figures. Oof, yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, if you, there's just, it's so hard to figure out, you know, if you say, oh, he missed this many games because yeah. everybody played a whole bunch of different games. So how does Ka- Paul George fit into his role as second to Kawhi Leonard? And have we seen enough from Paul George to know exactly what the ceiling of – this duo is oh man i mean when when paul george first came back it was a dream come true he was hitting from outside which was kind of a product of you know still getting confidence in his surgically repaired shoulders um, but the shooting from outside has been elite and i still actually i think the only time we've seen kind of peak pg and Kawhi was that stretch right before the stoppage and i think we went like six and one or something like that um but I think PG, it seems like he's ramping up well. He's been great in the bubble. I think we're going to see his switch flipped in the playoffs as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I think offensively, he's really been pretty sound. He's had some ups and downs, but he's been, he shot really well in the bubble. Um, I, I, what I've been the most worried about is some sometimes just the defense, especially early on when he was coming back. You could tell that he was definitely trying to get his legs underneath him. So I hope that there's, I, I mean, I hope he's just feeling comfortable enough now in that scheme to be like the perimeter defender that we need him to be at times. Um, and like offensively, I, I don't really have a whole lot of concerns. I think my biggest criticism coming in was when he was coming off that shoulder injury, he was really hesitant to uh, really like barrel into the lane, try to get to the rim, try to draw the fouls. Uh, and there was some kind of embarrassing flops on that front <laughs> at the beginning of the season. Uh, he's looked a lot more aggressive in the bubble. Uh, which I definitely think is going to help open some things up. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel pretty good about Paul George. I think that he is going to have an extra trip on his shoulder just because 
I think for a lot of fans and a lot of people, he's very removed from the player that he was in Indiana. I mean, we just saw recently that uh, people on Twitter are, are pretty openly bashing on Paul George's playoff record when really, I mean, it's, it's not, it, it's not bad. Uh, I mean, oh, yeah, defend okay. him. go ahead. Defend him. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's he wasn't like, even on your team with this record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And that, but that's why I got to stand up for him. I mean, that like the, OKC stuff is, is unfortunate. Uh, those teams, I never thought like, despite some of the talent that was there were ever really built for a deep run. Um, you know, you don't team get was- beat by Donovan, Ricky Donovan Mitchell <laughs> in the first round. Come on. You can't, def- I mean, you can't defend that. Right. Like the, I think the Paul George criticism is, is warranted, right. He, you know, can't win in the first round in in the West, but he makes it to the conference finals in the East. I mean, I, I think that, but the thing is, though, all that doesn't matter because he, he's not the number one option on the Clippers, right? Like, at, yeah. at the end of the day, it's going to come down to Kawhi. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 100%. I'd also like his three-point attempts to be at 10-plus in these playoffs in the bubble. He's at, like, eight so far for the year. He's shooting 41%. No reason he can't be jacking up three or four more threes a game, I don't think. The Mavs will definitely let him take those. <laughs> yes, that's very <laughs> for true. For sure. The Mavericks will let him take those, uh, whether they intended to or not. Man, I mean, the Mavericks defense, I mean, this is a, a completely uh, – this is a team that, that teams that are trying to put it all together and trying to figure out. I mean, we're saying the same for the Lakers as well against the Blazers. You want to play against a team in the first round that doesn't have a great defense because it allows your, your team to kind of do what they want on offense. We've seen that a lot with – you know, Kawhi Leonard, uh, you know, pick and rolls with Zubach in that last game. I mean, that was, they just, he absolutely just destroyed the Mavericks in that area. Um, let's get to, uh, let's get to Kawhi. Do you guys think Kawhi is the best player in the NBA? I do. Yeah, absolutely. I, interesting. I just because like, Justin, <laughs> Justin Russo said something. He, he disagreed with that a couple of days ago, which I thought was interesting. Another guy that watches him every single game, but I just don't think there's any holes in his game right now. I mean, he's had a career high in points per game, career high in assists per game, career high free throw percentage. Uh, his defense has been up and down, but it feels like he's kind of coasting here and there. Uh, but he's added the playmaking to his game with the Clippers since they don't have, you know, a true like traditional point guard or ball or lead ball handler. Yeah. Um, with Kawhi, though, as the, you know, the, the lead guy, this Clippers team has been really good. Uh, he's, the, he's the best player, though. I think, yeah, it's just, it's so funny. He's the perfect player to watch. He's playing pretty good. And then you look up at the score and Doc's talked about this. And then he just randomly has 27, 7, and 6. And you're like, oh, okay. This, uh, this is great. Like, Yeah, we call that the Luka Doncic bad game. <laughs> okay. He's having a bad game. We look up and he has 27, 7. Yeah. And we've seen <laughs> flashes of him kind of physically ramping up. Like there was a play. It might have been in that Mavs game where he got a steal and then seemingly sprinted faster than I think fans had seen him run up to this point in the bubble for the dunk. And it was just kind of like, oh, there's that extra gear that might be getting there. So, I mean, Giannis is a close second. Giannis is having a crazy season. But I think Kawhi just does a little bit more on the offensive end. Yeah, I mean, to me, Kawhi just has uh, the postseason resume that like a Giannis or or even a Harden doesn't have. Um, And yeah, I, I don't know. There's just been times where like, I knew Kawhi was good, right? When he came here, like, obviously I've watched him a bunch, not a surprise, but when he's on your team and you're watching him rip off on another team, these 11 0 runs, these like 13 0 runs, uh, where he's the entirety of the offense. I, I don't know, man, he's just like one of those guys that he gets to the spot that he wants to get to. 
Uh, and I think like the best hope sometimes you can have is that he's just going to miss the fade away. <laughs> <laughs> like, there, I mean, there are just times where like, he just looks so dominant that I, I really, I haven't seen a whole lot of answers. Jeremy Grant actually has covered him the best, I think. But other than that, I, I like, I just feel like he exerts his will in a way that, um, not a lot of players are, are able to in, in huge, in huge moments against great opponents like the Mavs. Completely. I think him and Doncic have him and Doncic have a similar thing where they have their own speed, and Doncic and Kawhi both do this thing where they're dictating the speed of the game. That doesn't mean they're going really fast or anything like that, but everyone has to kind of just be in their solar system of activity to try and stop them. But because they have that control over how the flow of the game is, it's just so difficult to. Oh, absolutely. The the speed thing is is huge, and it's one of the reasons why Luca's been as good as he has been, you know, to start his career. Uh, the shooting frequency for Kawhi, I was looking up on Cleaning the Glass, and I just found this so fascinating. At the this is the uh, amount of shots he takes in these areas, not field goal percentage. At the rim, twenty three percent of his shots come from there. In the short mid range, twenty nine percent of his shots come from there. That's the Kawhi Leonard mid range shot that we've all come to know and love. The long mid range, twenty two percent, and then from three, twenty six percent. He's so incredibly balanced, just <laughs> across the floor. He can score on all three levels in all these different ways, and the the balance I think is just it. I mean, the talk of Kawhi being a robot is is almost substantiated when you look at the, those percentages hey, yeah. being so even across the board. And he he shoots pretty well from all those areas too. And so I, I don't think it's for the Mavericks, I don't think it's beating Kawhi. I just don't think they can. They're going to put Dorian Finney-Smith on him like they have been the last three games. He's going to do his best. He's not going to do well. It's it's everybody else <laughs> that, that's going to, you know, that they need to they need to hold some of those other guys. They need to hold Paul George and hope he misses all 10 of those threes you want him to take. You, you hope that Lou Williams can give up 20 points on the other end to somebody. You know, it's, just, it's one of those things that, that has to get for the Mavs to take one of these games. One of those is definitely more possible than the other one. Uh, Lou Williams. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think that's going to be, and we'll probably we'll talk about it on our episode too. But I think that's going to be a major point of access for the Mavs uh, in stealing a couple of these games if they can. I also was looking up because uh, everyone keeps talking about the Clippers with injuries and they haven't been all together. Games without Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers are seven and seven, which is kind of be expected. Mm. That's not too many games, though. But this year, the sample size is not going to be, you know, full. Games yeah. without Paul George, they were fourteen and nine. Games without both of them, they're zero and three. I was surprised they only played three games without both those guys, since they missed so many games, you know, separately. Uh, games with Kawhi, without Paul George, uh, they were fourteen and six. Games with George and without Kawhi. So Paul George played and Kawhi did and they're seven and four. So as long as one of those two guys is playing, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're at least, so that means that also that means that all those games without, uh, yeah. So, but that as a duo, when they're on the court together, 117.1 offensive rating, 103.9 defensive rating, that would be the best offensive rating in the NBA, even better than the Mavericks. And their defensive rating would be second in the NBA as a team, just behind the bucks. Those two guys together have just been so good. Um, Okay, here's a question, though, I've been wondering. There doesn't seem to be as much pressure on Kawhi to win this title as there is on, like, LeBron or even Durant last year or any of these guys that have a super team. How do you think Kawhi and them have avoided this pressure of they're a super team, they have to deliver, or else it's a wasted season? Well, I think we partially benefit because the Clippers are more or less a small market team. Like, I, I think like the expectations are a little bit lower for the Clippers just in general. 
Um, but you know, I, I, I think that there is just as much pressure to be honest. Uh, I think that, you know, both of these guys, they, they are on shorter term contracts. Uh, obviously they want to hit that 10 year vet kind of deal, but I mean, each of these two years is so crucial. Like if we don't make a finals, there's not a, I just don't see a way, even if both these guys want to play in your home, that they stay here. I like, I truly can't see a way if we don't make the finals at, in at least one of these two years, how we can hope to maintain both stars. Yeah. I think it's kind of internal pressure. Like everyone. Yeah. Like the small market team thing, you know, the Lakers just dominate every single thing. Most of the press for the Clippers is, you know, Kawhi being frustrated in one clip from a game that we won by 10 <laughs> and the media kind of freaking out about it. Um, but I think there's a bunch of internal pressure. You know, a bunch of front office people got had good job offers in this offseason and stayed because there was kind of this unfinished business mentality between all the people in the organization. And I mean, I, I agree with Will. If we don't make a finals, the pressure on next year is even crazier. We have the Trez resigning we got to do. So I think it's almost a pressure on the whole team where, I mean, that is not, not to say that Kawhi won't get unfairly skewered if we don't make the finals. Um, but yeah, I think there's a big internal pressure from the team itself as well that might be greater than public pressure. We're also yeah. like, I think it's some, like in some media instances too, we're like the least exciting story, right? <laughs> I mean, like the team, the team that was a pretty good bench unit last year, made it, took a couple games from the Warriors with no all-stars, then adds two of the, I mean, top 10 or top 15 best players in the league. I, I mean, that's not like an interesting underdog story anymore. That's a team that has expectations. Um, but like, you know, it's, it's never going to be a big narrative. It's going to have to come from within. Yeah. So I think the criticism, if they lose, will be bigger than the pressure to win. It's like, we'll just, we'll wait on that story until something happens. Right. That's, that's sort of what it's felt like for the Clippers so far this year. Uh, and they've skirted it. I think a little bit with injuries and not being all there. And I think part of that is also, yeah, added on that as well. All right, coming up, I want to get into a little bit more about the starting lineup and then talk about the criticism you've actually heard about the Clippers from fans and from media. So we want to get into that. But before we do, gentlemen, Built Bar is back. Oh, Love us God. some Built Bar. Yes. The 12 original flavors, they've added six new flavors on them. Of the 12, though, you guys got you guys got boxes of them when we first started <laughs> at Built Bar. Charles, what was your favorite flavor of Built Bar? I mean, I'm kind of a sucker for anything with peanut butter involved, anything with mint as well. So I housed those pretty quickly. The mint one was pretty good. Will, did yeah. you like a specific one? Yeah, I liked the English toffee. It was like, it, it was perfect. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I, still, I think you I still have two of those one? in my fridge because I didn't want to eat them. <laughs> They're good. But I loved all the other ones. Of course, you've heard Isaac and I talk about our favorite flavors. There's six new flavors, though. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry Garcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. Incredible new flavors. The Built Bar is an incredible bar. It's a candy bar. It's a, it's a healthy bar. Yeah. Ooh, it's a protein bar tastes like a candy bar. It goes both ways. Built Bar is great for a health conscious person. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Great for a keto diet that Isaac is doing right now. Uh, Isaac, by the way, still in Kentucky. I don't know, driving like four wheelers <laughs> with his dog on it. So that's what Isaac's doing. But uh, Built Bar right now is offering this right now. Free cooler with the purchase while supplies last. This will only last for a couple weeks. So if you guys haven't gotten on it, you may have missed it already. So get on it right now. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get $10 off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. 
All right, guys, let's get into a little bit more about this starting lineup. So the most used lineup for the Clippers this year was Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Patrick Beverly, Zubat, and then Mo Harkless. And when I was talking about the Clippers in our post-game podcast after the Suns game, I was like, yeah, and then Mo Harkless. Man, whatever happened to Mo Harkless? Totally skipped my mind that he got traded for Marcus Morris. But the second most used, you know, so that lineup had 114.8 offensive rating, 105.4 defensive rating, which is pretty good. That's like just under the Mavericks offense and then, you know, pretty good defense. Uh, that's actually a really good defense for, for a team. But then they switched Marcus Morris from Mo Harkless in that trade. Their offensive rating went to 121.9. Their defensive rating went to 99. That would obviously be the best offensive rating in the league and then by far the best defensive rating in the league as well. What has changed with Marcus Morris as opposed to Mo Harkless? Man, I've the sample size is so small that, I mean, you know. It's, it's, 100, it's 215 minutes for that original lineup with Harkless and 147 minutes played with, with uh, Marcus Morris. So it is a smaller sample size, but they're pretty even you know, com- compared to the two. Yeah, that amount's sure. closer. Um, I think one thing that's been interesting is Mo, when he was on the team, guarded like one through four. Like he was put on Luka. Um, he, guarded a, he guarded Kemba. So, and Marcus Morris doesn't do that, which somehow I think actually helps the defense out because there's less kind of switching and different, uh, you know what I mean? The guys that are better at defense are defending the guys that are better at offense. Right? Yeah, there you go. It's crazy. <laughs> Instead uh, of just throwing more Harkless on everybody. Yeah. And so, and, you know, he knows his role. He's not going to be shooting a bunch. We haven't really seen, you know, he's had two Ofer games against the Lakers, which was upsetting, but it wasn't some crazy volume shooting game he went over in. So it was like a little less concerning. Um, but I mean, I think it's just his, because uh, some fans were mad that we did the trade. Some fans thought that we should have just kept Mo, kept the first round pick, and we would have been fine. But I think ultimately, like you look at those numbers, Marcus Morris kind of just shored everything up. Yeah, I mean, I, the biggest criticism of Mo was always just he was a he's a black hole on offense. Uh, you know, he he demanded so little attention that defenses would you know like just completely slack off of him. Uh, so you know that makes it difficult. And then you know if your if your offensive rating is you know n- like negligent, you have to get every stop. You know, or like <laughs> you're not that you're not that positive of a player uh, on the court. And I, I've had my. I've had my questions about Morris joining the team. I, I certainly had my questions about the trade. I thought leading into the the stoppage, there were some good Morris games. There was some stuff where I thought he kind of fell back on some, some ball dominant kind of habits that he picked up in uh, New York. But since, since the play has resumed, I feel like we're getting closer to that Marcus Morris, the Celtics version of Marcus Morris, who was, uh, you know, was a really great role player, really happy to play the role and do whatever had to get done uh, to get the win, even if it didn't mean like offensive numbers standing out in his box score. So I, I think that that has been huge, like him accepting this role. Uh, and then he's just like, so the, I think what the Clippers do really well is they put players in like a niche role that they can really succeed in. Uh, and, and that's what I, I help, I think helps mo- optimize Morris around everybody else. It's what helps optimize Patrick Beverly around everyone else. So I, I think that, yeah, as he's accepted this role, it, it, it makes, it's, it's just definitely a better lineup than we had with Mo. It helps when you have two top 10 players that you added in free agency <laughs> or I guess one of them was a trade, but uh, let's end on this. So we haven't had a, a, you know, a clip. We haven't had a team like this. I feel like in a long time that has 
I don't know if there's, I guess there's no hype around it. There's, there's a bunch of hype around the Clippers and then somehow not a lot of hype around the Clippers. It's just the fact that they're in LA, the Lakers get all the talking points, obviously, uh, you know, it feels like Giannis gets a bunch of, of talk as well, but there has, there's been some random criticism on the Clippers. Well, what's the biggest thing that you hear from media, from outside fans that are non-Clippers media, non-Clippers fans? What's the biggest criticism you hear from outside outlets? The one that irks me the most is just like the uh, the considered lack of depth at the five. Yeah, uh, the like size people, issue is always brought up, and it's like we're the top ten rebounding team. <laughs> yeah, so people weird. Who, yeah, people who haven't watched the Clippers play don't understand that Avisa Subots is a great rebounder, uh, a very solid defensive presence. Uh, and you know, Montrez just does Montrez things and sure he's not like prototypical size for a center, but it hasn't limited his uh, effectiveness really at all. And we have and so many Joakim Noah. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. those, that answers all your issues. <laughs> and we have so much size at the four Thanks, that we can yeah. put some of those guys into the five. Like Patrick Patterson is a giant human being. If you've never actually seen him uh, even against other NBA players and like, yeah, the size thing really just was the biggest, like, Oh, you don't truly watch the Clippers then if size is the biggest thing because also an an actual issue is kind of you know ultra capable defensive depth at the point guard position you know we have one point guard who is an elite defender and everyone else is who plays point not necessarily elite is Reggie Jackson is Reggie Jackson (laughs) yeah um but yeah I think the size one is the biggest just you know easy grab if you're trying to find a quick uh you know perceived weakness for the Clips which is funny because there's a team in the Western Conference that literally just got rid of all their size except for NBA champion Tyson Chandler, who never plays. <laughs> and uh, they're, they seem to be fine. And yeah. <laughs> if Russell Westbrook comes back, maybe we'll get to find out what that team actually has. Uh, so that's unfounded. What's the biggest criticism you hear from Clippers fans? So just clip, so Mavericks fans complain about all kinds of different things. Clutch, you know, offense, they complain about free throws all the time. What's something you hear every, you know, every game or whatever from Clippers fans? What are they worried about? Uh, lose defense and Doc's rotations. Yeah, um, Doc gets a lot of heat. I don't need to hear any more about Lou Will's defense. We know we've <laughs> we've known since he like became a member of this team. Like we didn't, we have never tried to use him as an elite defender. I've never made that claim. Uh, so I think we could stop harping on that. We get it. He's there to do one thing. He's there to score. So that's fine. And then the rotations thing is like. I don't know. We've seen some kind of goofy stuff in the bubble, but we have been really depleted, especially of guard depth. Um, And we haven't been, so this is another thing. We haven't been staggering Kawhi and PG that much until uh, like even more recently in the bubble. So I'm curious to see what kind of lineups, like what's that, that going to look like. Yeah. They didn't do that even against the Mavericks in this last game, because I remember specifically those minutes without Paul George and Kawhi, I was like, man, they really need like Mavericks really need to take advantage of this situation right now without those guys. And I think they yeah. did go on a little run during then, then, and that's when it, it kind of kept them alive until the fourth. But yeah, so the rotations, it's all about staggering and pl- or is there certain players that Clippers fans want to play more than others? Or is it just, no, they don't like the way that, you know, who's playing together, like the combinations or what is it? I've heard, I, we've, we heard from Justin Russo a couple of days ago about the Reggie Jackson, Landry Shamit combo. That one doesn't work and people don't like that. But is yeah, there something is, else besides that one? So, well, the issue when Trez comes back is what Zoo's minutes are going to look like. There were times when Trez would play borderline the entire second half of a game without rest. We've seen him play multiple quarters without any rest. So the biggest... The biggest one is just people want Zoo to be either 
put him in to at least help Trez get some rest so he doesn't have even more miles on him or put him in because he actually helps the defense and can close the game out. Yeah, I think I'm starting to get, while we're depleted at guard death, I'm starting to get really nervous in any Reggie Jackson minutes. Uh, yeah. when, he, when he's out there with the starters and he's like not looking to move the ball to other players um, and he's like looking to just create his own offensive game, I, like I wince every time he has the ball in his possession. And I think <laughs> like, I think we need to, if we don't have Pat Bev, um, I, I think that we should be putting out Rodney Magruder or somebody more defensive minded uh, in some of those minutes, especially when Reggie just like is not having a great game offensively. Uh, before the season started, I was at uh, Epcot at Disney world with my wife and we saw Reggie Jackson and he said to me, he said, Hell yeah, I'm not going to play defense or pass the ball to any of these Clippers guys. <laughs> he wasn't even on the team yet. So that's me. <laughs> All right, we're going to continue this conversation over on Locked on Clippers. So go check out that podcast if you want to hear more about what these guys are thinking about with this series. So we're going to hear more about that there. Guys, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, I'll put a link in the description for that episode as well as their Twitter accounts. And everybody, thanks so much for listening to Locked on Maps. Peace out. Boom. Boom.